Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5. KPL, it is great to be with y'all today. Another beautiful, though hot one out there. Hey, just of local note, if you have uh, any middle school soccer players in the public school system, today begins the parish soccer uh, tournament for the boys and girls split teams. The co-ed teams tournament will be next to uh, Monday and Tuesday. So it is an exciting time. The last sport of the year for our local athletes. Uh, if you be sure, uh, be sure to pay attention to the schedules out there, go out and support your athletes who are trying to close out the year with a parish championship of their own Two three two fifteen forty two. If you want to call in, be part of the conversation. Wow. Uh, so this morning, Actually, last night into this morning was probably, uh, I think, the biggest, I think it's probably the biggest college football headline we've seen uh, in the offseason so far. And it makes me wish that college football actually began tomorrow because of what we have experienced. So yesterday, ahead of signing day, uh, Nick Saban goes on this tangent about how Texas, you know, they're, they're, Alabama's recruiting class is not as good as it, it could have been. And he accused Texas A&M of, you know, paying for all their players and, and all this stuff. Also made some comment about uh, about other schools, but really, like, just harped on Texas A&M, who had the number one recruiting class. And uh, it, it set Jimbo Fisher off. Jimbo Fisher had a speech today. Uh, he, he gave his comments and just absolutely tore in to Nick Saban. Uh, it's a shame we have to do this, Fisher said. It's despicable that a reputable head coach would come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow these those things to happen. It's ridiculous when he's not on top. The parody in college football, he's been talking about Go talk to coaches who coach for him. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. Some people think they are God. This is my favorite quote. Some people think they are God. Go dig into how God did his deal, and you may find a lot about the things you don't want to know. We build him up to be this czar of football. Go dig into his past. Just ask the people that work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. My, my dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Jimbo also said that Saban had attempted to call him and that he had refused the call. Fisher said, we're done. So like big drama, big drama in college football. It, it, it's crazy. It, we are nowhere near really kind of even thinking about college football right now, other than the signing and everything. But it's just, it makes me wish it was going on right now. And then ESPN's college football account on Twitter uh, posts a reminder that October 8th is Alabama versus A&M. And now that's possibly going to be one of the most watched games in the NCAA coming up this football season. I'm very excited. And I'd also want to announce this. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday, on Twitter, Elon Musk put out a statement saying, uh, in the past that he had voted for Democrats, but given the way the Democratic Party has moved, he is uh, going to be re voting Republican for the time being, which I completely understand. 
in times of conflict and strife, sometimes you have to align yourself. You have to form an alliance with people you may normally disagree with, people you may find unsavory, which is why I'm announcing today my support of Texas A&M, especially when it comes to taking on Alabama this college football season. This is crazy. This this has been a ride. This was an emotional ride to to witness today, watching the clips of Jimbo Fisher just tearing absolute, absolutely scorched earth. I read you some of the statements, but I can't do Jimbo Fisher's voice. I can't uh I I, I can't uh I can't put on that tone he had. I cannot uh, mimic the emotion he had in giving these statements. He was, as uh, Pat McAfee, former Indianapolis Colts punter, uh, uh, sports commentator, said, Jimbo Fisher off the top rope. He was going for broke and just ripping into Nick Saban. And October 8th, when these two teams take each other on, cannot get here fast enough. 232-1542. That's it. That's all the sports I want to talk about. When we come back, some national politics. Congress controls the purse strings. So when the Republicans take over, there's some things they need to really look into. We'll talk about that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. I will take calls after the bottom of the hour news. I want to get through a couple of the items that are I really just have to get off my chest today. Let's start with Congress. The House of Representatives controls the purse strings of government. And we like to think, Republicans like to think of themselves, conservatives like to think of ourselves as people who care about government spending. When Republicans take back the House, in November, and they get sworn in in January. They need to look at what the Democrats are going to be forcing through. And they need to curtail so much. Do I think they will? I'm really not putting a whole lot of faith in them. But but today, the Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland, was in front of the House and actually argued for $1.4 billion to advance racial justice through the Department of the Interior. My buddy Caleb Howe at Mediaite uh, pointed this out. For implementation of our department-wide diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility initiative to proactively advance the equity, civil rights, and racial justice and equal opportunity. That is Secretary Deb Holland on the $1.4 billion plus line item in the budget request from the Department of the Interior. $1.4 billion for an implementation of diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility initiative. What's more, in this same hearing... Uh, Senator John Barrasso, Republican, points this out on his uh, office's Twitter account. During this whole exchange, 
Hollande refused to admit that gas prices are too high. The administration, he says in his tweet, is in denial. It's been 10 straight days of record high gas prices for Americans. We know that because we're seeing those records jump here in the state. The highest ever on record gasoline recorded today in the state on average $4.24. Here in Lafayette, the average right now is $4.25. That is a record high. Yesterday's average, $4.24. A week ago, $4.08. Right now across the state, the current average is $4.24. Where it is highest? In Cameron. In Jeff Davis Parish, in Allen Parish, in Plaquemines, Sabine Parish, DeSoto, Red River, all well into the $4.30, $4.40, $4.50 range. And the Secretary of the Interior will not say that gas prices are too high because the Biden administration wants us to stop using gas. It's just very weird for them to say the quiet part out loud. They want $1.4 billion for diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives in the Department of the Interior. They want $1.4 billion of your money for that initiative while the administration's own policies have helped create this gas crisis, this energy crisis, and you're now paying well over $4 at the pump for a gallon of gas. God forbid you have a vehicle that holds several gallons of gas and you're paying $70, sometimes $80 at the pump just to fill up your car. And it's not like you can just wait for it to go down because you've got places to be. But the Biden administration doesn't want to say the gas prices are too high. In fact, the Biden administration and Democrats are looking to convince voters in November are actually, you know, they're they're not that bad. Oh, well, there's been more more, uh, new jobs created than in any other presidential administration. Oh, we have uh, great wage growth here in the U.S. Yes, we also have more unfilled jobs than ever. We have a decreasing participation rate in the labor force. And inflation is outpacing wage growth. So your wages might go up five percent, uh, might go up, you know, two to three percent. But inflation is up well over four percent and growing. You're not seeing any new money come in from these wonderful new jobs the administration says are being created. From Politico, House Democrats are playing whack-a-mole with national crises, hoping a show of proactivity will help save them from catastrophe in November. Democrats devoted this week to legislation to address spiking gas prices, the baby formula shortage, and domestic extremism before they cleared out of Washington for a two-week recess racing to convince frustrated voters that they can tackle the most glaring problems. Right now, 
the Democrats want to tell voters that they need to focus on what the Democrats are trying to do. Oh, we've got this plan. We've got that plan. We're doing all this to try to fix the problem. Democrats are drafting legislation on inflation, gas prices, baby formula, the works. They have no chance of passing none whatsoever. It's all a series of messaging bills because all the policies suck and don't actually address the problems. How do you fix the baby formula shortage? It's not anything legislation has to be done. It's the regulatory state. We talked about that with Scott Lincecum two days ago on here. And I wrote a column about it uh, on KPL965.com, kind of addressing, kind of saying where this formula shortage came from. The FDA is out there testing in focus groups new labels, new healthy uh, labels uh, for uh, products, for, for food products. Why doesn't the FDA test uh, some policies that would allow European baby formula to come to U.S. markets so we don't have this shortage? You're not seeing a baby formula shortage elsewhere in the world because they're not restricting importation of baby formula. But a protectionist racket of U.S. dairy has forced baby formula to go into shortage. And the Abbott closure of their production plant could have been resolved by now if the FDA had not waited several months to act on whistleblower concerns about the very thing the FDA eventually shut down the Abbott plant for in the first place. Gas prices? What are the Democrats going to do about that? They're going to go after price gouging at the pump rather than address the fact that their own policies and the the Biden administration's own policies have made it either too difficult or have been too discouraging for energy companies to invest in domestic production. You had the premier of Alberta, Canada, come before Congress and blast the Biden administration for, uh, for, getting, for, un- for unapproving the Keystone Pipeline XL, which would have brought in a lot of energy, a lot of, uh, a lot of oil, a lot of, a lot of energy from Canada, rather than us relying on 600,000 barrels a day from Ukraine or from Russia, which the Biden administration turned around and said, oh, well, the energy problem is Putin's fault. The Democrats want you to think, oh, we've got plans that are going to work. you got to vote for us. The problem is the Democrats have been in charge for a year and a half already. And it's not getting any better. And voters know this. Voters realize this. The, the Democrats are arguing against both the history of midterm elections, in which the party in power typically loses, and the Democrats are also fighting their own policies. They're arguing against their own policies. They're saying, look, our policies are going to work when all evidence, at least according to the voter, if not in actual practice and understanding, all evidence is to the contrary. Democratic policies have made every situation worse. And the Democrats are constantly on defense, constantly reacting and not able to do anything that actually makes a lick of difference in any of these crises. 232-1542, we will take calls after this break. Also coming up after the break, what's going on in the state and why is John Kennedy seemingly worried about Gary Chambers raising money? I'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. So WAFB in Baton Rouge it, uh, ran a report uh, last night, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, Scott McKay at the Hayrides writing this up. Last night, WAFB TV Channel 9 in Baton Rouge 
had a fun little report on the Senate race this fall in which John Kennedy is running for re-election. Here's from the report. Republican U.S. Senator John Kennedy says he's in trouble because his opponent, Democrat Gary Chambers, is allegedly carrying all the momentum when it comes to campaign contributions. Emails from Senator Kennedy have been flooding inboxes lately, the latest coming out this morning. According to Kennedy's emails, Baton Rouge activist Chambers is carrying all the momentum when it comes to campaign finances, but considering Kennedy has roughly $14 million in his campaign war chest, that may seem hard to believe. I'm going to explain to you why John Kennedy is doing this. Scott McKay has an explanation. My, his and my explanation are somewhat the same, but we diverge a little bit. But in order to explain mine, I need to talk about 2012. And I need to talk about Missouri. During the first week of July 2012, one month before Republicans nominated their candidate for U.S. Senate, for U.S. Senate I... Claire McCaskill, directed my campaign to go into the field to take a poll of Republicans in Missouri. This was a first for me. Never before had I paid $40,000 to a pollster to find out what was on the minds of voters who were never going to vote for me. But this election called for an unusual strategy. One poll questioned Republicans about three people seeking to run against me. At the onset, businessman John Brunner led at 39% with Representative Todd Aiken at 17% and former state treasurer and Senator Sarah Steelman at 15%. Then we gave the people who we were polling a synopsis of each candidate's message. Aiken's message essentially stated that he was one of the most conservative members of Congress, had consistently voted against government spending and debt, had opposed the Wall Street bailout, the federal stimulus, and the rescue of automobile companies, had, no, had voted no on Obamacare, was a founding member of the Tea Party Caucus. Aiken also promised to restore faith in God as the center of public life. I need you to understand that based on this information, this is a, a column written for Politico magazine that Claire McCaskill penned. And in this column, in this piece, she details how she spent $1.7 million dollars her campaign, her allies spent $1.7 million to convince Republicans to nominate Todd Aiken to run against her in 2012. And of course, you know the results of that race. Aiken was a bit out there, too out there for Missouri voters, and, McCla and McCaskill won very easily. McCaskill, through her own campaign chose her candidate. She sent out a bunch of messaging, a, a bunch of ads and everything saying, don't vote Todd Aiken. He, he's far too conservative. He's far too extreme. And that pushed Republicans who at the time were riding the Tea Party wave and they pushed Republicans to, to select Todd Aiken. It was Democratic money that helped get Todd Aiken the nomination in 2022 in Missouri. A couple of nights ago, Dave Mastriano won the Republican nomination for governor in Pennsylvania. The Republican Governors Association does not believe he can win. Part of Mastriano's success came from Democratic groups putting money into promoting Mastriano as the, the, the guy. Democratic money went in to promoting Dave Mastriano, just like Democratic money went into promoting Todd Aiken and pushing voters to pick those two men in particular. And it happens a lot. 
It's, these are just two famous examples, one recent and one very notable. I get the feeling that this is what Senator John Kennedy is doing right now by flooding inboxes of supporters and saying, hey, Gary Chambers is winning the fundraising battle. We got to be careful. We don't want this uh, extreme far left Democrat getting all the momentum ahead of this race. None of the polling indicates that John Kennedy is in trouble. And Kennedy is sitting on $14 million in his war chest and raises good money. Said it the other day. If Kennedy decided to jump into the gubernatorial race next year, everybody backs out. Everybody knows John Kennedy wins that race. That's just, that's what it is. If you're John Kennedy, this is McKay at the Hayride. If you're John Kennedy, you don't want this race to be, a some, be seen as some ho-hum, uncompetitive thing. You want Gary Chambers to become sort of the Michael Myers or Grendel, the frightening monster or villain Kennedy has to save the people from with heroic effort. Do you know why? Because you have to rally the base. If you rally the base against Gary Chambers, you're rallying the base against all the Democrats that are running on the ballot. And you're getting them motivated. That's the key here. Kennedy is rallying Republicans, not just for him, but across the state. And he's pushing Gary Chambers as the opponent to worry about. Now, why is that? Well, there's two reasons. One, Luke Mixon, who McKay affectionately refers to as the alpaca, was completely ignored in the WF, WAFB report, and it's easy to see why. He's raised $476,000. Chambers has raised one, over a million dollars, a lot of that coming from outside groups. But Mixon is the candidate that was chosen by the white Democratic establishment, John Bell Edwards' people. And everybody in the state secretly knows the white Democrats are really kind of on their way out in power. John Bell Edwards is probably the last one to really hold any sort of power. Black Democrats are going to take over the Democratic Party in the state. Gary Chambers, I've told you this theory before, Gary Chambers is running this race against Kennedy not to take on Kennedy, but to become the next governor of Louisiana. He needs a statewide network before the governor's race next year so that either he can run or he can have a hand-picked candidate that he supports and throws his campaign money behind. And black Democrats in the state really don't have many other options. Kennedy's easily going to top 50% come this November. He, there won't be a runoff. But Kennedy wants the Democratic Party to know that he's most scared of Gary Chambers. And he wants Republicans to know he's most scared of Gary Chambers. And it's not because he's scared of Gary Chambers, but because he wants Gary Chambers to be the face of the Democratic Party once John Bell Edwards is no longer able to run for office. If Chambers is the face of the Democratic Party in Louisiana, that keeps conservative Republicans very Republican, and that keeps moderate voters leaning Republican. Because Chambers is a far-left activist who supported Bernie Sanders and will be a progressive progressive trying to run in a deeply conservative state. Gary Chambers will be the exact type of politician that keeps Louisiana voters voting Republican and conservative. 
And that almost veto-proof majority that we have in the legislature right now will become a veto-proof majority in 2023 if Gary Chambers is the face of the Democratic Party. So yes, John Kennedy absolutely wants Democrats to say, oh man, Kennedy's most afraid of Gary Chambers. We got to throw all, all of our money and support behind him. We've got to get Gary Chambers into office. We've got to support him this time. And then you know what? After this race, Gary Chambers' name is still out there. So next year, all the Democrats are saying, well, you know, Gary Chambers put up a pretty good run. John Kennedy was afraid of him. Maybe we, this is the guy we got to support for governor. Maybe this is the guy we got to go to to pick the next governor of Louisiana. And the Democrats will rally behind Chambers or whoever his people are. And John Kennedy will have performed a, a Claire McCaskill. He will have had the Democrats pick their next candidate. And some of you might be out there, because I actually have gotten this question, some of the things I've written before, like, Joe, why would you, why would you say, like, why would you give the Democrats advice on what, on what, on whether they're saying something right or not? Why would you warn Democrats that they're falling for this strategy? Because Democrats aren't going to listen to me. I'm a white male conservative. Democrats are tuning me out as we speak when it comes to my political advice or my political opinion. They aren't going to accept that they might be, a, a, they're about to be beaten in this, with this strategy, a strategy produced by their party. And it will be funny. It will be funny to see the Louisiana Democratic Party led by Gary Chambers. Because he is too far left for Louisiana. But John Kennedy will have effectively made him the face of the Democratic Party in Louisiana. And that, to me, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I got to respect the troll game there. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, let's talk about the vaccine mandate for schools and it's suddenly disappearing. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in, be part of the program before we have to leave the air. But hey, stick around because the offside guys are on the road and you will be able to hear them uh, in a little bit uh, as they are. Where are they today, Mark? Um, Shannon Hardware, 150-year celebration. Um, Shannon Hardware, I don't, Highway 90. Yeah. So, uh, wait, no, that, that was this morning. That was, oh, uh, that was Bernie Enos. Rhythms, rhythms, rhythms on the River. Thank you. Rhythms on the River. That's where the offside guys are. I know that they've, they've been saying it in the ads today. I've been very scatterbrained. Um, but yeah, that's uh, you can listen to the Offside Guys there on the road, Rhythms on the River, uh, here very shortly. In the meantime, John Bell Edwards is now running away from his uh, plan to add COVID vaccines to the schedule of vaccines that kids have to take uh, they, they, they have to take before going to school. You need that on your uh, vaccine record in order to be able to attend school. That was the plan. We would have been the only state in the nation to actually enforce that. Not even California was pushing for that. We would have been the only state to force a vaccine mandate on school children to make that part of the vaccine schedule. I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it as much as people are still trying to panic about COVID, even though the, the pandemic itself is largely over. It's now in an endemic stage 
uh, meaning we'll see it recurring in waves every now and then, but it's not going to be the health crisis that it was. The state legislature has been trying to rein that particular plan in. A legislative panel voted to overrule Edwards' decision by a 13-2 vote. He ignored them, so State Representative Larry Bagley brought uh, HCR3, which would forbid Edwards from doing it. Uh, it passed the House with 69 votes, but failed in the Senate Health and Welfare Committee. Uh, but there were attempts to revive it. Luckily, he just decided that uh, he, Edwards just decided he's not going to actually put that on the vaccine schedule after all, which makes sense because, as I've been saying, kids weren't really getting sick with COVID-19. They were catching it, but they weren't getting severely sick. They weren't really spreading it. Schools that let back in did not see any sort of mass spreader event. The, 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 the vaccine mandate for kids never really made sense. It never really made sense. So John Bell Edwards, seeing the political writing on the wall, I guess, backed away from it and decided, nope, we're not going to do this after all. He would have been the only governor in the state uh, in the United States to enforce it. We would have been the only state in the U.S. to have it. And it made no sense to enforce that for schools. But that's what Edwards wanted to do. Edwards, who was in the back pocket of the teachers unions, who have been panicking, panicking about COVID more than anybody else. He was trying to listen to them, and instead he ran away from his own vaccine mandate. Thank goodness. Jeff Landry, of course, is out there uh, because Jeff Landry was ready to sue over it and was actually taking the the uh, the, the Edwards administration to court over it. Uh, press release that Jeff Landry sent out. Louisiana Attorney Jeff uh, Attorney General Jeff Landry issued the following statement after the Louisiana Senate announced the governor has stopped his rule requiring the COVID nineteen shot for entry to Louisiana schools. This is what uh, Landry is saying. Faced with losing a court case or losing a legislative vote, the governor has evidently walked back yet another of his COVID overreaches. The governor and his allies are in the legislature, tried many maneuvers, but apparently the will and voice of the people were too much to handle. While we await the official action by the governor, I applaud the mama bears and the devoted fathers, grandparents, and others who work tirelessly to ensure the medical freedoms of their loved ones. That's Jeff Landry running the victory lap because he knew that Edwards was going to lose in court or lose in the legislature. And frankly, I bet he's probably a little bit disappointed that Edwards uh, realized that was the inevitable fate of the vaccine mandate because he really wanted to take Edwards on one more time. You know, it's, it's very funny. I, I talked about the governor's race and, and continue to talk about it. Landry is obviously fighting a lot of legal battles that put him right in the spotlight of taking on the Democrat at the top of the state. It's a very good position for Landry to be, and it's why I think he's got the edge over John Schroeder, frankly. Uh, both men, good conservatives. I know that there are some people who are concerned with the, uh, that are concerned at, at some of the, sorry, Siri started talking to me for some reason. There are some folks who uh, have been very concerned with the, uh, establishment-centric support for Schroeder coming out of Baton Rouge. Uh, but I think Schroeder's a very a very good conservative, a, a good man, good uh, Republican to have running for office. I just think that because of the high-profile nature of Jeff Landry's battles, Schroeder's got a very uphill fight. 
Nungesser, again, I don't think Nungesser has a snowball's chance. Nungesser is trying to run as a moderate Republican. We've seen what happens to moderate Republicans. We saw that uh, they de- they detract from the vote more than anything. They help ensure that uh, that John Bell Edwards got in. Nungesser, I don't think, stands a chance. This is a, going to be a very conservative race. And again, if John Kennedy ensures that Gary Chambers becomes the face of the Democratic Party by pushing out all these campaign emails saying, look, this guy, is, he's raising a ton of money. He's, he's the big threat. If Kennedy is pushing that and Gary Chambers becomes the face of the Democratic Party in Louisiana, it will become the greatest trolling attempt in, in Louisiana political history. But it also serves to benefit Jeff Landry, who is the polar opposite of the far left progressive nature of Gary Chambers. And that will be a big boon in Landry's favor. Because the exact same type of thing that Landry's been talking about over and over in every lawsuit, in every press release, in every press appearance, he's been actively fighting. This is what Gary Chambers is what he's been fighting. And so he is now poised to take that on directly. Jeff Landry's in the best position of any Republican currently assumed to be in the field. Again, I don't think John Kennedy's running, but we'll see. Jeff Landry's probably it. That's going to do it for us. Hey, stick around. Rhythms on the River. That's where Brandon and Shannon are. We'll be listening to them live on the road here shortly. In the meantime, Twitter.com, at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Check out the podcast version of the show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. You guys have a great evening.